Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi guys, and welcome to Serious... No, no, I've got that. Sorry. Uh... Hello, guys, and welcome to Serious Issues. <laughs> Hello. Um, welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you by King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Siobhan's. My co-host name... My name is Siobhan's. <laughs> yeah, do. Multiplication. I'm going to start again. Welcome to... Do you just want to do it? I don't know what's going on. Okay. Hey, and welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you by King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Levins. My co-host name is Siobhan's. Hello. <laughs> And every week, we read a rapidly increasing list of comic book issues and let you know which are the issues that are worth your time. And you can find all of these comics at 310 Pitt Street um, in the city. That's where King's Comics is or online at kingscomics.com. Now, this week, uh, we read more comics than we ever have in our lives it's just, before. It's just too many. I can't even remember like half of them. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I think we cracked the 40 mark. <laughs> We officially uh, read 40, 40 comics in one week, so uh, well done to us. Yeah. <laughs> um, these, these comics, of course, included DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, um, publishers that we've never heard of, publishers that we haven't talked about before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, because we want to just try and review all of these comics for you, mm. um, I'm going to impl- uh, bring up a new thing that we're going to do just this, just this once. Uh, if, maybe, maybe if it's a hit, we'll, we'll keep doing it. Oh, yeah. But in order to... Uh, kind of keep us on our toes and only bring up the stuff that really matters, uh, I've brought a timer. So oh, excellent. We have two minutes to talk about every comic book today. I mean, every single thing I say really matters. Yeah. So. Sh- Siobhan. <laughs> Siobhan's. Uh, are, you, are you game to, to yeah. put a two-minute timer? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, cool. So um, as we do every week, we begin with First Things First, where we review all of the new number ones that came out this week mm-hmm. and let you know which new series are worth picking up. Uh, let's kick things off. The timer is about to get hit, and we're going to talk about Justice League Rebirth. So this is the Rebirth issue as opposed to the actual number one. And we've learned something about these Rebirth issues. They don't mean shit. They don't mean... They do not mean Bupkis. Because... Uh, it's not the same It's not the same creative team. Well, this is definitely the same creative team. Oh, because, yeah, it's yeah, Brian I mean, Hitch. It's Brian Hitch uh, writing and, and drawing this. Mm. Um, and uh, I was hesitant about the writing part, but excited about the drawing part. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, all the Rebirth issues so far have been, like, this kind of, like, okay kind of introduction to what they're going to do. And then the first issue, for the most part, has been infinitely better than the Rebirth issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, I mean, like, you know, we, we've definitely said that the most important thing about DC 
you know, going into this new rebirth stage is that the Batman comic is really good and the mm-hmm. Superman comic is really good and how great it is that they are. Mm-hmm. But you know what's as important as those things is the Justice League comic. It just really is. Um, even though Marvel aren't playing by those rules at the moment because all their Avengers titles aren't that great. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, beyond the big two publishers, there are the big two main comics of, of DC, uh, Batman and Superman, but they all come together in Justice League. And uh, I was very excited to read a Justice League comic again. Me too. Um, of course, going knowing this is a rebirth issue, I, I, I wasn't expecting too much. Mm. But uh, I really loved Brian Hitch's art on this. See, I don't know if I like Brian Hitch on this. I don't know why. It's just... He's terrible mm. at close-ups. Yeah, and he's not that he's, good at like action. It seems to me. But he's great at those like big wide shots of something attacking a city, and there's plenty of that going on here. That's true. The story itself is um, it's basically it's, just the Starro. Like like they retell the classic how the Justice League got together by a big mind control alien. Yeah, again, and, and the story like it's fine. It has some cute little character moments between the Green Lanterns. The Flash is wisecracking, makes poop jokes. Nice. Um, I love a poop joke. Love a good poop joke. Um, That's and why the flash uh, is there. yeah, like I, I went in there thinking I was going to hate the writing, but uh, I'm excited to see. Not excited, but I'm. I, I'm. I, I await the rest hmm. of the series. Yeah, I'm. I'm two ambivalent. minutes is up. Oh goodness! <laughs> What's the next book we're going to talk about? Took um, two minutes. Well, should we quickly go? talk about um, the two first issue? Definitely. <laughs> should we quickly talk about the first um, issue of a local Australian comic, um, which we've got in stock now at Kings, called Pistol Shrimp Pump, which is written by Sydney Norris with um, really amazing illustrations by someone called Zoe Coughlin. Yep, I'm going to go out and say that the only thing I didn't like about this comic was the name of it, Pistol Shrimp Pump. Yeah. Strange. A strange yeah. combination of, of words that just seem to be seemingly picked at random. But no, this is the. Uh, if, you've, if you've read Black Sad, which is an incredible uh, European graphic novel series mm-hmm. about a, um yeah. anthropomorphic uh, detective cat, mm-hmm. Pistol you should shrimp read that. It's definitely up your alley. Absolutely. Um, it's um, about a shrimp. Yeah, so it's sort a, of like I guess it's all set underwater because they're all kind of eels and um, shrimp. And it's very sort of like Black Sad. It's a very sort of cartoony style. It's much more stark, like um, sort of more traditional cartooning as opposed to the more sort of Disney style, yeah, really lushly painted bla- stuff. Black like and white with flashes of red, which definitely uh, is uh, reminiscent of Sin City. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you, you have a, a shrimp who's recently been made the sheriff. Um, and then you have a, a no good eel mm-hmm. um, who who... I guess is, I don't know. The, the, I mean, it's a, a classic kind of uh, small town crime caper where mm. you can't trust anybody. and Mobsters uh, and... Dem, de, uh, damsels. Yeah, totally. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, there, there are drugs in this world, but it's venom, which is, should be found on the, uh, the tips of, uh, of, of eels. Eel fangs. Is that what they are? Yeah, sure. Yes. Um, yeah, but this was a really, really cool comic. Um, yeah. And uh, where can you get it? And you can get it at King's now. We've got a small consignment here. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know where else you can get it. I guess you could look them up online. Yeah. Um, if you want to look up the artist, um, Sydney, Sydney Norris. He's um, the his, author. His Twitter is twitter.com slash Mary undergo, sorry, underscore go underscore hound. So twitter.com slash Mary go hound. Cool. With two underscores in there. Or facebook.com slash pistol shrimp pump pistol is where you can find pump. this one. Two minutes is up. Nice. Pistol Shrimp Pump. Great comic. Very excited to get more Australian and Sydney-based writers and authors and comics on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Shut up, Timer. We get it. <laughs> um, let's talk about Batman 66 meets Steed and Peel. Um, I've, I've read a few of the Batman 66 stories. I always get very excited by um, the covers because mm. it's Mike Allred art. 
And it's never my colored interiors. Unfortunately not. But uh, this one, the uh, the interiors were done by... Um, Matthew Dow Smith. And colored by, by Jordi Belair. Belair. And this is, I reckon, one of the biggest wastes of Jordi Belair ever. Yeah, I know. Because he has very, very simple art, which is not bad, but paired with her color, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Like, uh, I get they're trying to go for a sort of pop art thing, but... Uh, the colours are so much more sophisticated than the... In terms of the shading and stuff, it looks a little bit odd. Yeah. So the Batman 66 series is all about the the 1966 Batman TV series being brought back in comic form. Mm-hmm. And they've had a few crossovers so far with like the Green Hornet. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Steed and Mrs. Peel, a.k.a. the original UK Avengers. Mm-hmm. has nothing to do with Marvel. It was a completely separate series, TV but series. not allowed to call it that in comic books. Yep. Uh, so Steed and Mrs. Peel are just uh, two wisecracking uh, British spies. spies. And uh, they cross over into Gotham. Um, and this was a really, really fun caper yeah, that I'm definitely going to read all six issues of um, because uh, you don't really need to know anything beyond who these characters are. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Even though, like, I don't even really know who the Avengers characters are. I've never watched that show. You but didn't I still see enjoyed that, it. The Abomination movie that they put out uh, in, like, the 90s. Oh, the, it was, like, was actually, it? It was like, straight like, up called The Avengers. I can't Uma remember. Thurman? Yeah. That, that made, or that, Charlize Theron? I get them confused. Probably even with Thurman. Um, no, it's good fun. Like, yeah. you, if you like Batman 66, if you like the Adam West version of the character, it's very silly. The writing's really funny. There's some good jokes. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. And yeah, I mean, obviously you've got a lot of uh, familiar faces from knowing Batman comics, but there's also a lot of bad guys and good guys from the world of Steed and Mrs. Peel too. Mm. So yeah, you know what? We're going to beat this. You only nice. get one minute, 55 seconds. Woo! Fuck you, timer. Good one. <laughs> All right, let's start the timer again for... Kingpin, Civil one. War 2, Kingpin, number one, tie-in. Um, written by uh, Matthew Rosenberg, who you may be familiar from writing uh, Four Kids in a Bank. Oh, okay, which I haven't read yet, but um, I've heard is incredible. Yeah, yeah, um, it's out through uh, Black Mask Studios, which we'll be talking about later on in the show. Um, this was uh, like a, almost like an anthology of two different Kingpin stories mm-hmm. with two very, not very Marvel house-style artists mm. uh, penning these. Um very uh, very cool, different takes on uh, on, on all, all the all the characters that we haven't seen before. Kingpin returns after being absent from the Marvel U for a long while and finds that everything is bonkers and no one respects him anymore. And the biggest thing is that um, the Marvel good guys have the Ulysses, the Inhuman that can predict crimes. So lots of people are getting arrested, Minority Report style, mm-hmm. um, before they even commit anything. But that is not okay. Kingpin finds a dude who can a, 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 an inhuman who the who Ulysses cannot like can't he, detect. He, he can't, can't detect. Tell what he's doesn't up appear to. in his vision. So Kingpin is going to use him to his advantage. I really like this issue. I oh, thought it was really, really, good really cool. Um, and this week is definitely the week that I realized that Civil War, even though the main story is not to my cup of tea, like I, I was beginning to think this last week, but mm. this week especially, like every comic I read had the Civil War banner on it, I actually really enjoyed. Yeah, they're doing really. Um, it's really cool to see because the the basic concept of Civil War Two is quite interesting, and to have a whole bunch of different writers have a crack at it from different angles of the Marvel universe is really cool. Yeah, um, agreed. Yeah, that um, was really good fun. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's going to maintain the anthology style of uh, a comic. I doubt this will. I think I think it will just be with the uh, the regular the first artist mm. um, each month, whose uh, name is a lot of fun to pronounce. I'm Ricardo sure. Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. His one's fine. Now now try and pronounce the other guy. Oh, Dalibor Talajic. Perfect. Well mm, done. Perfect. Uh, and then two minutes is up. Next, nice. move on to the next comic. I'm going to bring up one from Oni Press. Ah oh, man, I missed that one. Uh, this is called Brick. Um, it was a uh, reduced price debut issue. Number one um, was one ninety nine American. Uh, 
written by a creative team that I've never heard of, uh, Adam Glass and Michael Benson, with uh, illustrations called Hard Harwinder Sing. Um, the illustrations were quite close to Emmy Lennox on oh, yeah. um, Plutona, and even Jeff Lemire himself. Quite simplistic facial work, but great backgrounds and kind of action stuff. There's a few funny moments, like there's a very wooden skateboarding kid on the, on the third page. Um, but long story short, this is about a kid in Yonkers um, growing up in a pretty rough neighborhood. His uh, family has like a convenience store, like a deli corner mm-hmm. store. Um, and they get the, there is a, you know, a, a mob of people muscling in on, 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 and trying to get him to sell his, his, he get his grandpa to sell, to sell his corner store to the mob. And uh, his grandpa's having none of it, nice. but he uh, tells his uh, his grandson, the main character of this book, uh, he's a, uh, a a Jewish prisoner of war at one point, um, uh, survived the Holocaust, a Holocaust mm-hmm. survivor, um, and he tells him a tale of how uh, the Jews built a golem. Um, cool. and, uh, that was, that was who, you know, destroyed the Nazis secretly, mm-hmm. not, not the armies or, or, or assisted them. And then he tells them that the, you know, the, the secret to, uh, you know, the kid's like, well, why can't you just build the golem again to help him solve your problems? And now he's like, no, 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 you can't do that. Um, the, you know, the secrets of the golem, uh, are, you know, are, are too secret and can't be found. They're in a mm-hmm. very secret place. Uh, long story short, I'll spoil the end of this because I want you to get into it because I think it's a really fun, fun premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the grandpa is killed oh, by no. the, by the mob. But when they inspect the body, they find something tattooed on his back, and it is the instructions on how you make Sick. a golem. That's which a good I thought. Tattoo. So this was like, yeah, it, 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 I was like a bit roll eye rolly as 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 this issue started, mm. but I was won over by the end. Excellent. Well, Brick I number definitely one. look forward to reading that. Yeah, real fun. Your choice. Um, shall we talk about Flintstones? Oh boy, Flintstones issue one. <laughs> yep. Of part of the new Hanna Barbera um, revamp. This is sort of. I mean, I can't. I think my the main my main knowledge of Flintstones comes from the like movie with John Goodman. Oh right, no, see, I definitely <laughs> so grew I up. Never, yeah, I watching, never really watched watching the Flintstones. Show. Of course, it being like you know probably the most famous of all the Hanna Barbera cartoons yeah. in the fifties. Um, but you so know, it was like, prime time entertainment back then. But so this very much is like. I, I, it seems like they're positioning it as a satire, and I don't know whether the Flintstones was ever meant to be like a commentary on. No, it absolutely was life. a commentary, right, but it okay. was like you know, you know, all the, the animals that they make do all their chores. Mm. It's that you know, it's just like us in the rat race mm. and blah blah. Yeah, you right. know, and it was it was very very broad humor, but yeah. it was it, it was definitely a satire of, of daily life. Yeah. Whereas this, yeah, it still feels like a satire, but there's just something about it that sits. I don't know. I don't know why. It just sat really weird with me. It's kept flicking between like broad satire, but then quite weird, serious moments. Yeah, like like, um, why? like the bit where they go to a veterans. Like, yeah, yeah. So, PTSD so well, no. So Fred and Barney are, are vets who fought in the in the war, <sighs> um, and 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 their, their boss, Mister Slate, says thank you for your service. And Fred Flintstone is you know quite high in the favor of his boss, which is never a part of the mm. Flintstones, um, and. Uh, uh, is it Betty or Wilma is his, his Wilma. friend's wife? Wil- Wilma does cave paintings yeah. because all of her cave mem- all of her family <laughs> went missing and the, the handprints ma- mean something to her in this like quite tender moment, which definitely did not belong in yeah, the book. Yeah, and the bit where he goes, I felt I never knew you until now. Yeah. Like, that was so weird. But that said... And it doesn't make... It also sits weirdly with me that Wilma and Betty are still housewives. Like that made sense in the 50s, but if it's supposed to be satirical of now... Oh, but they're housewives who make art. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's uh, very weird. And, yeah, like, I'm, I'm giving Flintstones an extra 30 seconds. Yeah, we have to. Like, And there's all these weird analogous bits where like 
they say things like it's like a Sky Mall magazine in here, and like. Yeah, it was some. I mean, I, I guess they're trying to mirror the society of today as opposed to the society of the fifties. Yeah. So you, you know, there, there are have been massive jumps in in technology since mm. then. So it would be silly for them to to mirror what the series once was. But like, I mean, I, I, th- that said, when I closed the book, I was like, I guess that was kind of enjoyable. Yeah, I like I the art. I like the art. Yeah, Steve Pugh on art is is great. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not aware of the writer bef- um, before this. Uh, someone, yeah, Russell. Who is it? Ben Russell. Mark uh, Russell. Mark Russell. I'm sure yeah, it's, it's familiar enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and as far as, like, the scale of, like, Future Quest is still my favourite of these. Yeah. Probably the only one I'll continue to read, really. I might give this one one more yeah, issue I'll to kind of... Yeah, I'll give this one one more issue. But uh, Future Quest is the, the, the saving grace of this weird um, Hanna-Barbera yeah. universe thing that they've done at DC. Obviously, Wacky Raceland and uh, Scooby Apocalypse uh, belong in a fiery pit of mm. hell. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the Flintstones is all right. Flintstones is somewhere in the middle, and, and Future Quest is quite good. Although when we get to that, you'll learn more yeah. on the on, on that issue. So I find uh, it. I think. I think. I think the problem with it is that if you're doing a satire, have a point to it. Like I don't understand why this comic exists because it's not. It's not saying anything. It's not. Yep. Cool. All right. Uh, yeah. Anyway. All right. There. Two minutes, kind it's of, and, and two minutes and changes up. Flintstones. We we'll we'll give you one more chance. <laughs> Doctor Strange, a prelude. Uh, this is a, a prelude to the Doctor Strange movie, the next Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've previously reviewed uh, one that came out before Civil War, mm-hmm. Captain America Civil War, that we hated. Yep. Um, and uh, this was a little bit better, but at yeah. the same time, who kind of cares? Absolutely. It felt very unnecessary, and it does not have Doctor Strange in it. That's true. Um, not, yeah, this, this should be called Wong, a prelude. Yeah, yeah. A prelude. And I guess, I, guess it's, I guess it's useful because the villain in... Um, Doctor Strange is not a villain that I'm familiar with and is not someone that I've ever heard of before. Yeah. This Caesilus, whatever that dude's name is, it doesn't matter. um, So if you want to know a little bit of the history of like that before you go into the Doctor Strange movie, but I can't see it being especially necessary. I I think, I I would say that, yeah, I don't think anyone has gone into this movie, like gone into a Marvel movie and going, Mm. thank God I read the comic book prelude. (laughs) Um, But that's, this is pretty inoffensive and and, and, and fun enough. The the main point of it is that it introduces the, I guess the MacGuffin, Mm. um, you know, the the, the magical thing that will probably play a part in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And, there's probably a infinity gem in there somewhere as well. What? That's what happens I'm in shocked. these Marvel movies. That's what mm. they're all about. All right, you only get one minute, fifteen seconds. Doctor Stranger prelude. Nice. Did um, you read? Are you did you read this four thousand and one AD? No, but, no. But please tell me about it in two minutes. Man, so good. So um, four thousand and one AD, which is the current um, Valiant crossover event, which is set obviously in the future in four thousand and one AD. This is the Shadow Man tie-in, and this is just a um, one-shot issue. And holy moly. What a brilliant, just like one and done really? issue. You can understand, like, I mean, a lot of people were really surprised that Valiant, um, Valiant have been nominated for something like 46 Harvey Awards. They are by far and away um, nominated for the most awards. This which, year? Yeah. Oh, wow. Crazy. Yeah, like crazy amounts. Um, but if you're reading Valiant Comics, you can really, really understand why. This is um, set in the future, set in a sort of another one of these weird little um, insular societies that has popped up in the future Valiant universe. And it's... They... It's a it's a city that is connected with the city of the dead, and they send across a couple of sacrifices every year to um, keep the balance between the death, dead and the living. And then the living decide that they don't want to do that anymore, so they decide to um, start 
warring against the dead and obviously that's the wrong decision and they should have just kept the balance and so it all sort of is about that but it brings in some really cool characters um the shadow man character is brought in in a really really interesting way and have you read any shadow man no. before this right no i have no idea i have n- i have never heard like i don't understand the concept i don't know anything about it and i absolutely love this issue and i would love it if this continued on in an ongoing series because it's um great art really compelling who's the writer jody hauser jody hauser with art by someone called Rafa Roberts. Cool. Oh no, artist is Robert Gill. Jody Hauser and Rafa Roberts wrote it. Together. Rafa Roberts is, is one of the writers on the Archer and Armstrong. Oh, well, series there you that go. Really like. Yeah, brilliant, really brilliant. The four thousand one AD um, tie-ins are so much fun and like a very similar thing to Civil War, where you don't even have to really have read the main title to enjoy it. Yep. Um, yeah, just some really brilliant one and done series. Okay, cool. Something to pick up if you are interested in the Valiant universe. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like a good time to kind of jump on board. Yeah, it really is. Um, so let's move from uh, that quite good serious comic to Satan Sodomy Baby number two. Oh, I didn't even read this. So uh, we actually brought this up last week um, when we were re- reviewing um, Eric Powell's mm-hmm. other comic, which just came out called Hillbilly number mm-hmm. one. Uh, this is a one and done, a follow up to uh, obviously Satan Sodomy Baby number one, a, a one shot that he did a few years ago. It's out through his. Um, own imprint, Albatross Comics. He's written and drawn by Eric Powell. Uh, and uh, there's a disclaimer on the front. It says, uh, all characters and events in this comic, even those based on real people, mm-hmm. are entirely fictional and stupid, made by a stupid fucking person, really fucking stupid. You'd have to be really dumb to take something so dumb seriously. It's truly, really, epically dumb. And there are balls in it. Balls are funny. Nice. Uh, so this is a just a, I mean, I guess you could kind of compare it to like something Robert Crumb did years ago, but mm-hmm. made even more offensive. Uh, in I'm sad I didn't pick this up. Um, so I mean, it's just it's 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 so foul in parts, and and yeah. so like you know, uh, just trying to be as controversial as possible. Right. Uh, say Sodom, Satan, sodomy baby is a baby that squeezed out of Satan's butt. Nice. Uh, in uh, Satan, Satan, sodomy uh, baby number one. I assume that's what happened uh, because uh, he is a a little guy that gets sent to hell um, when things that gets sent to Earth to take care of things when uh, Earth has got uh, has lost its way. All right. And uh, with Trump becoming president, he is sent there to uh, to Time rectify for things. Sodomy baby do. Uh, he ends up, um, we see, we are introduced to Trump as a half naked guy with a tiny, tiny penis. Yeah, nice. Um, in a row of other senators <laughs> with tiny penises. Um, and, uh, Trump actually puts one of those penises in his mouth. Good. Um, Satan Sodomy Baby shows up and, uh, basically blows up Donald Trump's head, then jumps up Donald Trump's butt and, uh, puts his head where Donald Trump's head <laughs> once worth, was. It is worth saying that Eric Powell is like, a master cartoonist. And so it is unbelievable the, how beautiful these pages of like anarchy. Yeah, look. and like, it basically it p- pokes fun at both the uh, the the left and right wing. Uh, if you are easily offended, this book is not for you. If you enjoy things that are easily offend, like that are just you know, are over the top, offensive. this this will, this will be a lot of fun for you. Nice. Uh, cool. Did you read Throwaways Number One? Um, I mean, I did. <laughs> Do you remember what happened in it? I had to. I did have to um, remind myself this morning. I liked this. I thought this was a good first issue. Yeah. So image number ones are a little rarer than they used to be. Um, mm. This is a, a brand new series by Caitlin Kittridge and Stephen Sanders. Um, reminds me a lot of the uh, what's a superhero um, uh, PlayStation game series. I think it's called not. Maybe infamous? No, I don't know. No, I don't remember I what it's no called. But it's about yeah, I don't know. It reminded me a little bit of that. Uh, you have a a guy, a guy, like a, like a sleeper agent mm-hmm. who's activated, and then another guy who has like telekinesis powers. The two of them have never met before, and here they are teaming up for the first time to face a 
unknown and very, very threatening threat. Mm. Um, it is knowingly edgy in parts. Obviously, you have a, you have a kid yeah. with a mohawk. Yes. But I thought it, it, it knew that it was, it was, you know, presenting you with a character like that. that yeah. So, it was kind of self-aware. Um, yeah, agreed. I think it was, um, I think it's a cleverly written Very book. cleverly I like the art written too, yeah. As well. And, Stephen uh, Sanders. They have a, a really great kind of. I mean, a lot of a lot of spy stuff in comics is always like, oh, they're doing spy stuff, and there's no mm. more explanation than that. Mm. But I love in this scene you have two spies that meet up in a cafe and open up a um, like a a shared script on their laptops mm-hmm. and chat next to each other through that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really really clever. Um, it's just you know it's just it's just one page which shows them talking to each other. Um, yeah, there's there's a Very lot of clever. clever things going on in this comic, um, and uh, I definitely think it's worth picking up if you are after a, yet another spy and semi super powered mm. um, comic. Who isn't? Yeah. So yeah, yeah I enjoyed this, um, and I think that they packed a lot of story into this first issue, which I was a little bit exhausted by at first, but now I appreciate. Um, and a lot happened, and there was lots of exciting sort of um, things that I wasn't expecting. In yeah, it, so definitely one of those comics where like the first ten pages are like, oh boy, exhausting, and then you start, you get past them, and you're like, oh, I'm glad I did that. Mm. All right, what are we going to move on to, Siobhan? Did you read uh, Lone Ranger Green Hornet issue one? No, how was it? Um, oh, it was very confusing for me. As someone who, <laughs> someone who knows nothing about either the Lone Ranger or Green Hornet, there was a lot of like um, generational stuff in this that yeah, I was so, very So I know that about. the Green Hornet is like the nephew or the grandson like the of the Lone Ranger. like the nephew of the great, Lone yeah, Ranger right, okay, or sure. something like that. But um, I know they've never really done a comic directly addressing that. Right. Well, this directly addresses that and I did not know that and so I was very confused. And so it's got a little bit of history of the Lone Ranger and then it's set in the present and how the Lone Ranger needs to come back. But maybe the Green Hornet will just... It's almost like an origin story for the Green Hornet um, as well. And not for me because I don't understand it. <laughs> but if you liked both of those things, probably you would enjoy it. All right. Will you, st- will you be sticking with it? Um, no, I no, won't, because no. it's not for me. All right. You, you still got a minute left. Why don't you review this other one, too? Oh, yeah. Okay. Bounty. Bounty is a new um, issue number one from Dark Horse Comics. It is about bounty hunters, and it drops you, like, uh, straight in the middle of the action of these two sisters who are bounty hunters, um, and I found it really confusing. This was another one where the first ten pages, I was like, "What is going on? I'm so confused. This is hard to read." Yeah, I, I tried. do find the action hard to read in places. The arts by um, Mindy Lee, and this is written by Curtis Weeby. Um, but then, as I went on, it got more and more interesting, and it seems to borrow very heavily from the sort of bounty hunter. Like, um, there's a couple of moments that are so much like. Cowboy Bebop that I was like, oh, that seems a bit heavily, heavily borrowed. Um, And, you know, things like Firefly and stuff. But it's really fun, bright colours, good cartooning, except the action's a little bit um, tricky to read. But I'm interested. I'm interested to see where it goes. So I'll I'll at least read the second issue. Sure. And it comes with a glowing uh, review on the front by uh, um, (laughs) Saga artist Fiona Staples. Yeah. Which almost had me like, oh, maybe I should stick through this. But Mm. unfortunately... Too many comics this week, you guys. Mm. Uh, The final number one we're going to talk about is Kim and Kim, number one, which came out through Black Mask this week. Kim and Kim is a uh, story written by Mags Visaggio and uh, Pencils and Inks by Eva Cabrera. Um, And this is a story of um, two uh, female bounty hunters. Um, one of the one of the one of the Kims happens to be transgender, um, and so too is the writer, I believe. Oh, there you go. Of this, um, and so uh, you have this kind of over the top world where there are multiple bounty hunters, and they're colourful and crazy, and oh, sounds um, so much like bounty. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but yeah, actually, it's funny that they both came out in the same week. But um, uh, 
in this over the top world where you know where it's quite normal to see a very chaotic action scene and um you know see see a, a target get taken down by by a girl wielding a sparkly sparkly guitar um you also have a lot of um grounded kind of character moments um including you know a, a, one part where Kim and Kim are talking to each other and they have thoughts about you know whether whether staying gay or becoming a transgender um, person w- w- was the right choice to make, and like oh, okay. those grounded moments are definitely what had me a lot more interested mm. um, when reading this. Whereas the uh, again, it was you know trying to explain so much of the world and trying to kind of uh, let you know so much of you know the action, who the bad guys are, all that kind of stuff. All that stuff was a little testing, but yeah, it was the grounded moments that kind of kept me reading. Um, the art is uh, very very fun and colourful, um, and I think this is a this is this is going to be a, a, a good good series to watch. Yeah, totally. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to check that out. I'm excited the, to yeah, get it's officially kind of made me go like, okay, we need to start making sure that we feature every Black Mask comic that comes out on the show. Yeah, they're definitely putting some interesting things out. It's so, cool. Yeah, because l- last week we had uh, we didn't get get around to reviewing Jade Street Protection Services number one, and there is a uh, a preview of that at the, at the book of the end of, end of this, and it looks really cool. Mm. Yeah, cool. So that's the end of first things first. Nice. Um, the Some number ones issues. may be done, but the timer remains. Um, should we <laughs> kind of maybe break this up into like we'll do DC first? Yep. Um, nice. Then we'll do Image, then we'll do Marvel or something like that? Good idea. Okay, cool. So let's start with uh, all of our DC books for the week. Give you a moment to get all those together, Siobhan. What have we got? We've got Green Arrow, Batman, Superman, Aquaman. Future Quest, Aquaman, quite a few uh, uh, Green Lanterns, quite a few number twos this week. So I'm going to kick off with Green Arrow. Um. I did not enjoy number one of this mm-hmm. series like that came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, writing by, uh, was it, one of their names is Otto. Someone Percy, someone Schmidt. God damn it, I hate it when they don't I put their it's... names on the first page. Do they know I have a two-minute count timer? God damn it. <laughs> it must be on the last page. Oh, here we go. Honest. Benjamin, Percy, and Otto Schmidt. Oh, yeah, I just missed it. It was very art- artfully done. Mm. Oh, wow, it was awesome. They're kind of like in the water. Yeah. Um, so I did not like the end of, of number one or kind of any of number one. Um, mm. It was kind of just do- trying to do too much in one comic. But that said, I actually quite enjoyed number two. Yeah, issue two was really good fun. Um, they're definitely like they're definitely continuing on the sort of stuff that was built up for Ollie in the um, New 52 stuff, so the kind of team Jeff that Lemire's he has. Runs. But I kind yeah. of feel like, though, that because I, I read the first five issues of Lemire's run, mm. and isn't this kind of just exactly what happened in, in those five issues? It feels very similar. Like, it feels with- very similar. Like, they're trying to get him to it. Like, I think the thing that everyone is always trying to do is bring Green Arrow down from being a millionaire and, like make him start from scratch and he's had to do that a which is exactly times. what happened in, in Lemire's run right? yeah they, yeah they, except they, that they it was up, like on up. an island and there were more ninjas right um uh, I thought this was cool though I think it's um some cool art it's a cool different area of the DCU that's not really being um not really being looked at yeah I don't think you know? I, th- I think yeah keep Green Arrow away from the rest of the DC universe for a while while you build this story up yeah totally um uh but they actually brought in someone from the Arrow TV show. Is that a, is that a thing? Diggle is in this. I think I think he's been a character in the comics before that. Okay, cool. I'm, All right, I could be wrong. Um, Maybe I'm just I get confused because of Andy Diggle. The art by Otto Percy is fucking great. Yeah, holy um, moly, this is such lovely, lovely art. Definitely the number one reason for you to be reading this reading this book. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, what if you if if the idea of uh, watching Green Arrow lose everything and bring, building stuff up from nothing is is appealing to you again? Uh, then by all means, you should be reading this book. And I'm excited to see... I know that's over the time, but I'm excited to see what's happening with um, 
all the stuff with Shado and his sister Emmy because I really like those characters and I I'm it's all very mysterious. mysterious. I'm into it. Uh, before we get into all the rest of the other actual DC number twos, let's talk about Future Quest number two. Yeah. Um, I thought this is a bit disappointing. I was um, so confused by this. Did I even finish reading this? Yes. So uh, this is the uh, sci-fi kind of uh, Hanna-Barbera series that brings all of those old cartoons uh, like um, Johnny Quest and Space Ghost and mm-hmm. Birdman um, and the, what is it, the something noughts uh, together. And... Um, the main appeal of this is uh, to see all that amazing Doc Shana art, mm. but he only does the first 12 or 13 pages. Understandably, too, when you see it, like it's very reminiscent of Darwin Cook. Absolutely. Um, and his, his pages are just a joy to read, even mm-hmm. though you may be kind of confused of who all the characters are and what they're mm-hmm. doing and why they're doing it. But then it goes a little bit minimal when, when another artist takes over, and he's far from bad, but like the, the difference in... in 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 just the, the way everyone's faces are and yeah. the, the backgrounds. I mean, it's still lovely coloured by Jordi Belair. The difference is is just it's quite very stark. very minor. I don't like. I mean, the different like the difference because when you actually look at like the faces, the the other artist does a very good job of sort of aping Doc Shana's style. Yeah. But it is there is a sort of subtle difference that makes it slightly harder to read. Yeah. And for I sure. think because I don't have a gr- huge awareness of who these characters are, I wish it was. I wish the story was moving a little bit more slowly for me. And introducing um, the characters. Yeah, yeah, because it just seems like everyone's sort of jumping in and already knows what's going on, and I'm. I feel a little uh, left behind. Well, every single DC number two that came out this week ends mm. on a reveal of someone that I, I you're, you're supposed to know mm. appearing and being like, ha ha, well, let's just see what they have to say about this or mm. whatever. Who's and Jezebel Jade? Jezebel Jade. I have no idea who that is. I mean, yeah. if you, I guess if you're a fan of this, you know, this, this world, then you definitely will be aware and be excited. But I would like to think that like a majority of people reading Future Quest aren't that familiar. Yeah. With with all these series coming together, but I could be wrong. And you should be able to you should be able to pick up a comic and know what's going on. Definitely. Really. So that's going to be a recurring motif with these next few reviews. Um, I feel like almost all of them have a, have a uh, final page like ooh twist mm. reveal of a of a character coming back from this character's past. Uh, so let's go to Aquaman number two. Um, I know I should be deciding with Batman and Superman, but uh, I, w- I, w- I want to get the the the, the less than get average the dross ones out of the way. Out of the way. <laughs> this um actually was an improvement as well. Um, yeah, this but angry it was still lame. Uh, I don't know. I like kind of. So this is about like the the, the ongoing battle between Aquaman and, and Black Manta, mm. um, and uh, uh, Aquaman, of course, killed Black Man his father somewhat accidentally mm. um, forever ago, and that's why Black Manta will never give up his rage against Aquaman. Um, although it appears like well, he had a like rage beforehand, anyway. Yeah. But this one, instead of just you know having them constantly trying to come at each other. Um, it took a quite mature approach of Aquaman saying, you know what? Like I killed your father. I'm sorry that happened, <laughs> but it was a defining moment for me. And obviously one for you as well. You can kill me right now if yeah. you want. Or, and, and he was, but Manta was like, no, this finishes when you kill me, blah, blah, blah. Mm. They both had an opportunity to kill the other one and neither of them took it. Black Manta kind of escapes and I was like, oh, cool. Does this mean we're going to see like Black Manta kind of maybe redeeming himself and being a bit more of an interesting character than just like a dude with a cool helmet and a harpoon? Not that there's um, anything wrong with that. And uh, he he gets um, he gets captured by authorities, I guess. Um, and then at the end, someone who I've, I have no idea who this character is shows up and says, we could be friends. We may have mutual interests. Let's find out. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I like her cool costume. She kind of looks like, co- like, like, a, like if Deathshot was a lady who wore an all-black costume. I she looks know. like a spider lady, almost. Yeah. Um, I actually thought that the bit where he's like, if you kill me, you'll just have a life of disappointment was really lame. Although that was a lame way to um, resolve that issue. And I also just think... As if black, like it, it was that easy. It was that easy to just be like, "Look, if you kill me, that won't really yeah, fix the I, hole in your heart." But I don't I think like, Black Manta would be like, "You're I feel right." Like even though that wasn't that interesting, I feel like what happens next could be more interesting because of that happened. But maybe, not. maybe, maybe I don't know. I'm sort of, I'm almost done with this. I reckon. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I don't. I, I, I mean, I, unfortunately, an, an arc hasn't probably kind of emerged. Yeah. You know, I said I'd, I'd stay on for the first arc. Yeah, this could be ongoing forever. So yeah. I might have really fucked myself. Yeah, here. sucked in. Uh, do you uh, want to do Batman or Superman? Should we next? do Green Lanterns? Oh, okay, let's get this dross out of the way. Yeah. Um, I mean, from the front cover, I could tell this was probably not going to be my all-time favorite comic. This is so far of all the DC Rebirth titles. This is the one that because I mean, a lot of the New Fifty Two titles were very, very like, oh, the nineties are back, mm. and so far Rebirth has pretty much avoided that, with the exception of this title. So um, 90s. it's super duper nineties. I kind of find that weirdly fun and endearing in a weird way, but. Like, this is pretty just, you know, hot trash, really. Yeah, it's just really, it's it's very average. And taking, like, like I really like the idea of there being two rookie Green Lanterns. I think that's really, really cool and Definitely. really fun. And I think they're just wasting it with this stupid Red rookie Lanterns war. Are, are more fun to read about than, than yeah. uh, the regular. And that's, that's why both Batman and Superman were so strong this week. Absolutely. <clears throat> um, but, yeah, I mean, there's... There's too much going on in this. The Red Lantern, just, it's just not a threat that I give a shit about. Yeah, and I'm also, I'm over I'm over it being, like, like it ends, the big reveal at the end is that, like, the whole world is infected by rage. Like, I get that they're Green Lanterns, and I get that it's supposed to be this epic space stuff all the time, but it's always Earth, and it's always Earth is, like... Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, they yes. have been assigned as, as Earth's Green Lanterns. But, but, like, I'm tired of it being this huge scale... Definitely. Almost like it'd be cool if they were just solving actual crimes, like the way it was sort of seemed like it was being presented as like the detectives almost, you know, like I'd, I'd be so much more interested in that than them just like fighting some guys who vomit blood. <laughs> the um, well, There was a really dumb moment in, in the Justice League rebirth issue where the two Green Lanterns are introduced mm. and they're like, oh man, we've got to answer this Justice League call. And then we've got to deal with all this Red Lantern stuff yeah. happening too. <laughs> and then it's like, see the Green Lanterns, but it's just like. No one would say that in a yeah, thing. I'm not, I'm not a superhero. But I'm pretty sure I'd be a bit more, you know, to mm. the point than that. Yeah, absolutely. And if the Red Lanterns are really infecting the whole of the world, why is this not a Justice League issue? Yep, 100%. Mm. Mm. Uh, not crazy about this one either. All right, let's talk about the DC books that we did like because Yay. there were two of them. Two. <laughs> <laughs> we lo- I loved both of these issues. Yeah, same. So um, Superman and Batman, you know what? I'm just going to turn this timer off. We're, we should talk about these ones properly. Because yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, you know, it's so important for DC to get Batman and Superman right. Mm. And I have not been so happy reading both these titles in so, so long. I, I, in no. fact, I don't think I've ever concurrently read both a Batman and a Superman comic at the same time and love both of them. Yeah, that's a good point. When have they... When's been a time period where they've both been excellent? I mean, I guess when Jeff Johns was doing action and Grant Morrison was doing Batman, I think that was a... Oh, yeah, that was a good yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's like 10 years ago now, mm. which is insane. Um, so... Uh, Superman may be my favorite of the two, um, and uh, it, mm. we can we can bring back the the, the rookie superhero thing. This mm-hmm. is less about Superman and more about Superman's son John Kent becoming a superhero and learning to use his powers and learning about responsibility and mm-hmm. what's okay. And it's done in such a beautiful, gentle way. Yeah, um, and I, I love this creative team. I've I've always stood by 
Tomasi mm-hmm. and Gleason, um, who, you know, they I reckon that the their Batman and Robin run is the most underrated run uh, at, at DC uh, uh, under the New Fifty Two banner. Mm. I really enjoyed almost every issue of that, and I think you know some of the best issues of the New Fifty Two came under their their run. And then even before that, I really liked their Green Lantern core run that they yeah. did too. Yeah, totally. And the art in this is so good. I mean, it really, yeah. it really is so so good. And not even just the art, like, even like panel layouts and stuff mm-hmm. like this is like. Just you know, you you always forget what an incredible art artist Patrick Gleason is, um, and 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 Tomasi's writing on this is just like I mean, I, 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 he must have kids, right? Because yeah. he writes. There, there are gut punches in this that you feel like from both Superman and John's level. Like mm. you know, it, you, you have the emotion that it must come that must come with saying this to your son as a father, and also the emotion in hearing it from your father as a son. Absolutely. Um, I just think, yeah, I just think this is exactly what I want to be reading in a Superman story. And even yeah. though it does the <clears throat> the same final page trope of revealing a character who... You don't I'm, know who the Eradicator I mean, yeah, is? He's, the, he's a trashy <laughs> 90s... But I love it. See, because the thing I love about this is that they really are doing a sort of homage to the reign of the Superman, Superman mm. uh, story arc after the return of Superman. So I think that's quite fun. We've got a whole bunch of different Superman running around and it's mirroring that quite sort of in an interesting way. And I'm interested to see what they do with the eradicated character. Yeah, no, likewise, but, but you know, the, I mean, at least they tell you which, uh, which, which supervillain he is. Yeah. Yeah. You're not just like left to guess. Next, the L family. I love that they're the L family. Like Con L. Oh, does it make him John L? I guess it would. Oh, that's really sweet. That's so cute. Um, uh, L family targeted by the eradicator. Yeah, there um, is like I mean, Superman. Superman is everyone's. Superman should always be like a bit of a dad. Like he's everyone's dad. Hundred percent. He's the ultimate dad. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's you, the ultimate moral. You look up to him, unless yeah. you're, unless you're Batman, and even then you secretly do. Yeah, exactly. Um, you don't so have having a father, him, having Bruce. <laughs> remember, remember that's why you're here. <laughs> um, but so having him just doing straight dad and the bit where he like allows John to um, burn him to get used to using his heat ray heat vision um and stuff like that and sort of later he's all burnt up and he's like oh well it was a it was a teachable moment and i thought that was like you know it's just it's very sweet yeah. and um really brilliantly written i loved it um batman number two um by our beloved tom, tom king and our like surprisingly like I'm oh i had no really- idea i thought i would like i did not think i like david finch david much. finch is fucking great on this just killing it is it because he's running with um with matt banning and danny mickey on inks or is it the geordie belair colors or because you know we, we had a book this week that i don't think was improved at all by johnny geordie belair's yeah. um involvement but you know but we, this she is, is just... the greatest but like fuck this is this is the the, 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 the batman fun. comic that i want to read it's so much fun like i mean the the when you turn the page and it's bruce wayne at a sort of fancy society ball and he's dipping a woman and looking out the window to see the bat symbol and goes i have to go like yeah. that's everything that i've wanted from a batman comic in so long bring back bruce wayne let him have a life but uh, yeah yep. and it's fantastic um gordon work great gordon Top-notch Gordon. I um, mean, he even looks great. There's, like, amazing, like, you know, of course they do the... Um, so, you know, this, this whole Batman run is is uh, Batman having to train Gotham and Gotham Girl, mm-hmm. two superheroes that showed up at the end of issue number one. And um, after, you know, meeting his death, seemingly, at the end of issue number one, Batman realises that he needs to put 
put give assign a real superhero to Gotham to take mm. care of the town when if if he is to die. Um, and I really love the idea of that. That like you know these rookies that he's training in 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 Robin and and um, Duke and Duke. Um, you know that they, they, they are useful, but the end game of them is not as important as a, as a bona fide mm. super powered individual. So, Absolutely. Yeah, the, the rookie element in this comes from him training them. And in, at the beginning, we see uh, Batman training Gotham to take down uh, take down Solomon Grundy, which mm-hmm. is really great to see him pop up. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's also... I love seeing a supervillain pop up in a cameo Absolutely. In, in a story. And then, you know, it doesn't really matter why they were there or anything. It's just yeah, like, yeah, you were just you taking know, down Solomon Grundy again, exactly. so it was Wednesday. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, and they, they even do that, that you know, the classic... Um, Batman disappearing after mm-hmm. talking to Gordon, and um, and they're um, like, "We have superpowers. Why couldn't we? Why couldn't we sense him leaving?" Yeah, I love that. And, oh uh, man, it's such good. Sorry, but such good sassy Alfred. Great sassy Alfred. Great sassy Commissioner Gordon. Definitely, there's just that brilliant bit where uh, uh, Gotham and Gotham and Gotham girls say, "Like we're, we're here to help, Commissioner. We're here to save this city." And then he says, "Well, thank the Lord. Don't know how we got along without you." And just the look on yeah. his face. Yeah, like. I, I did not know Finch could do like you know like sarcasm in yeah. facial work. So, what the hell? Why isn't he been doing this? <laughs> He's just been doing like you know like like. Did you read any issues of his Tony Daniel, Daniel written The Dark Knight? Run? Uh, yeah. I think that was who wrote it. Uh, yeah, I'm it was sure. trash, man. And yeah. it was but like you know I guess it was him truly channeling the nineties. This is just such great work. Yeah, and even like the panel where you see. Um, you know, there's so many panels that just show Gordon kind of, you know, stuffing his cigar and even putting. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And out on his yeah. foot. I love that. Even that was well done. Absolutely. I, I, I can't praise his art in this enough. Yeah, so well paced. Such good, like, um, like I... Uh, like great sort of camera angles if you're thinking about it that way and like really, really beautifully sort of um, placed panels and yeah. Yeah. Very, very extremely good. Should extremely we, good. Um, I'm, I'm going to spoil the last page. And, oh, please it, do. So we can talk about the uh, what, what's to come. So if you mm. haven't read this book, uh, skip forward a minute or so. Um, so are they 
basically um, revealing that Gotham, this character of Gotham, mm-hmm. is being trained by Amanda Waller and Hugo Strange. Is that what you got by it? Or oh, like- see, that's not what I took. I assumed that this guy, that they're this, uh, what's his name, Roger. Yep. And I can't remember because I stopped reading Batman. But was that? I thought this was one of the Jokers. Oh shit! Right. Okay. I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong, but I think I thought this was sort of um, so the last pan- page. Of course, oh my god, they, big... they, 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 that's so much more powerful. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I thought this was like a flashback to them training Gotham, but so this is oh right. So they think that they have saved Gotham City because they have basically taught the taught, taught the Joker to recognize emotions. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Um, but so the big reveal at the end is that Hugo Strange is back in is back in Gotham. And as brought by Amanda Waller. Yeah. Who I love. I yeah. love. I wish she was in every comic. But who's this? Do you know who this um, this army guy is on the last page? Or is he no, just not, generic not, not army really. guy? Yeah. I, I, maybe it's Tom King. Mm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is just fucking great. Even though, yeah. I mean, even with me completely not understanding the ending like an idiot. Um, of course, I can't believe I didn't figure that out. <laughs> I, I read 40 comics this week. Yeah, I, to I, be it, honest. It was like, I can either spend 30 more seconds trying to figure out who this is or yeah. I can just read the next of my, you know, 28 comics Massive I need to read. Massive pile of comics. Um, yeah, great, great issue. You should be reading this, this Batman run. Yeah, you really should. I'm excited to see what Tom King does with Hugo Strange as 100%. well. 100%. Uh, should we bring the timer back? Yeah. Um, I've got two Vertigo titles to talk about that you did not read this week. I didn't read any. Um, so two minutes to talk about another Tom King book that came out this week mm-hmm. uh, alongside artist Mitch Gerrards. Um, this is The Sheriff of Babylon, number eight. And I think this was the strongest issue in this run so far. Um, and so much so that I think I could even go as far to say this is my favorite Tom King comic coming out this this now. Oh, like, wow. That's um, a big call. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love I love the vision. I love Batman, but there is unbelievable kind of storytelling in this that I didn't see anywhere else in a comic this week. Um, where like he and he and Mitch Gerrard are such a great team of of uh, you know a pair of you know artists and writer pair that there are just there are just moments in this where like like there is a there's essentially a one side a, a, a telephone call that you only see it, go, it, go, it goes for four pages. And wow. you only see the same character. It's a one-sided call. Mm-hmm. You obviously hear the dialogue on the other end, but you only see the one. Like I'm talking nine times nine, eighteen, thirty-six panels of a of a, of a woman on a phone. That's pretty amazing. And it is riveting. <laughs> it's unbelievable storytelling. Like you know, there's just nuances in in, in the way she reacts to different things that are mm-hmm. said, and the what you know her, her face exchange, her facial patterns ex- like change as she says different things, and. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I've, I've been praising Tom King, the writing on this. For those that don't know, this is about, um, you know, the Iraqi war um, and the, the three main characters. One is an American um, soldier that's over there. The other is um, a, uh, you know, a, a, a local Iraqi who was once um, working for Saddam Hussein. Um, and then the third character is a woman who, um, whose entire family, she's Iraqi as well. Her, her, she was doing exchange in America and her entire family died in Iraq. And she's now almost on both sides of, of this story. Right. Um, and uh, every character has a pretty shithouse backstory with lots of tragedy. Um, and we essentially are, are told the backstory of one of the, one of the characters um, from, from someone that's kind of speaking with him in an interrogation room. 
and it's it's really heartbreaking, but it's also just unbelievably well told. Yeah, I'm really excited because the the first volume of this, um, so the first six, six issues are being collected in trade paperback, which comes out uh, this week and is available to pre-order now at kingscomics.com. Yep. Um, I am definitely going to be picking that up. And uh, everyone listening right now, this is this is going to be the be- like known as the best comic of, of of this year, and will join the annals of of like mm. you know comics that you just give to people that don't read comics because it's just a perfectly told story. Yeah, amazing. I, I can't recommend this series enough, and I think I've said that every time I've reviewed a new issue. Sheriff of Babylon is the fucking best comic coming out right now. Really? Okay. All right. I'll it's not, check it it's out. not a fun comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's tragedy, you know, on every page, but it is, it's storytelling that you just don't see in any other medium. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love this book so much. Amazing. Um, the other Vertigo book, which I also love, is Unfollow, um, written uh, and drawn by Rob Williams and uh, Mike Dowling on art. Um, this is about uh, 140 different people who uh, who find out through through Twitter that they are going to inherit the uh, millions upon millions of dollars that a uh, the trillionaire or whatever um, is bestowing upon them um, after he dies. However, they then find out that as each of them dies, they inherit even more as they take on the wealth of the uh, the deceased. So. Um, the front cover of each of these issues has, uh, it started with 140. It's now at 134. And that represents how many of the original 140 are still alive. Uh, in this, we kind of, we, you know, oh, it's that naked artist guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. There's a lot of little, little male junk in this. It's Yay. good fun. Um, but I mean, with each, each issue of this, um, you you're you're getting a, a lot more about the kind of, I guess the main characters of this story, but then you're also introduced to someone knowing that within two pages they're going to die. Awesome. Um, because yeah, obviously they're not going to tell a story with you know 140 main characters. Mm. Um, yeah, this one you you kind of learn the backstory of I guess the main antagonist, um, and that he is kind of almost. I mean, he, he, you learn that he is one, basically one of the 140 as well. Right. So, yeah, he, uh, there's, there's a lot going on in this comic. It'd be pointless me doing a plot summary. Mm. I'm just letting you know that this is still a very good comic and uh, definitely what you should be reading if you, uh, you know, have ever been a fan of Why the Last Man or something to that or, or 100 Bullets. Um, you know, there's, there's Vertigo classics. Yeah, um, and the, first, right the first trade is um, available now and I loved the first trade. Yeah, it's well really, worth checking. Really, out. really fun. Darkly comic and, mm. and, and well drawn too. Nice. Well, should we um, hit the indies before we? Yeah, cool. All right, we're going to end. We're going to end on Marvel because there was a big stack of them. Yeah, I even read some books that I I have not read any of so far, um, which was fun. <laughs> but uh, what was more fun was reading all these Image titles. <laughs> yeah, totally. So should we start with Image? Yeah, why not? Um, what do you want to start with? Uh, should we start with Paper Girls issue seven? Yeah, man. I am back on with this series. Yeah, right? In a big way. I think this was also the strongest issue of Paper Girls yet so far, too. This I think is, I uh, might agree. Brian K. Vaughan and, and Cliff Chang um, about uh, a tale of four Paper Girls in the 80s. It started out as uh, them discovering something supernatural and has now become a time-traveling epic mm-hmm. um, in which uh, at least three of them have been transported to our time. Uh, and it is that classic Brian K. Vaughan juggle of humor Pathos and tragedy. Yeah. And crazy giant monster oh, And things. also that thing. I, mean, I left that, that very... And complete <laughs> fucking insanity. And complete... And complete jokes. madness. Yeah. I think... Oh, man. It's so good. Um, it's so good watching... Like, uh, seeing the sort of... Because one of the characters... Um, the, the young girls who have come forward from the 80s have contacted 
a the current version of themselves. And so watching those two characters interact with each other and watching, um, seeing the the young girls le- learning sort of the the difficulties and the exhaustion of like adult life and and she, also she takes Xanax also life and, in two thousand sixteen yeah and as life well. in two thousand sixteen yeah. like all the bookstores are closed down and all that kind of stuff. But and then um, the, the future version of one of the kids like starts you know realizing that her younger self sees her as a failure mm. and she kind of brings that up and then her younger self just kind of basically says a, a bunch of things that yeah. makes the future self like realize that she you know it, she's it not as been, much of a failure as and she she's thought. been true to herself the whole time and, and that was a beautiful like, moment that, really that's beautiful. the highlight of this book for sure but there are so many like um really gut punchy moments best final page of the week as well yeah. um you know on, on a obviously dc are like really making it that every single final page is a oh my god mm. moment this was by far the best of them um, I, I don't think we should need to spoil that, but no, there's <coughs> yeah. just um, yeah. I mean, BKV is just the best, and this is one of the few comics. I mean, obviously, Private Eye. I know Private Eye is set in, on another world in, mm. in the future as well, but this is one of the few comics where you can, where that he's that that he's done since um, uh, what's on with Tony Daniel um on uh, Wildstorm. Uh, oh, X Machina. X Machina. Mm. This is the first comic that he's done since then that he's really doing a lot of um like current world commentary. Mm, absolutely. Some of the stuff about Hillary Clinton in this and because they're obviously in 2016 America. So yeah, um, it's, Great. It's, it's, it's really, really fun. Absolutely. Great read. Pepper Girls, highly recommended. Uh, Renato Jones, The 1% by Kim Carr Andrews. Um, I thought I was going to say Kim Kardashian just then. Uh, <laughs> written and drawn by him. This is about... Kari uh, Kyle Andrews. What's it? Kyle Carr, yeah. Kari Kyle Andrews. I fucked it up. Sorry, Kyle Carr. Kyle, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I wasted 15 seconds just saying his name. Um, this is about a kind of Batman figure who is a uh, inherited millionaire who targets the one percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this, the the first two issues of this so far have been kind of you know big spectacular him hunting mm. down a particularly despicable person and ending their life by the end of the issue in a spectacular way. Um, this was a lot more of a kind of slower issue world building. Uh, we we learn more about the characters around Renato Jones, including one of the um, uh, servants that he freed, mm-hmm. also the waitress or whatever that he, that he freed mm-hmm. in the first issue, and her life now. Um, we, we see a, 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 an actual viable threat to Renato Jones mm-hmm. in the future, and um, this is great. This is kind of what I needed from this series to show Agreed. that it wasn't just going to be a bunch of one shots. Um, where you know someone that's a real dickhead dies. Yeah, it was cool. Um, now it's sort of now it's properly building up yeah and it's really cool um and there were some really really cool moments in it and i'm really enjoying this i love it good good (laughs) um yeah uh and 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 the art the style i I was very i was lamenting that there were no um fake advertisements in this issue i thought that was a really really fun part of the first and second issue but you know he's it means he can pack more story into it so yeah that's good absolutely Um, this is good revenge fantasy and he's just one of like he's a properly unique artist and a unique writer too. And a like unique writer, he's, yeah. You know, he, uh, he's someone. He's uh, almost a remnant of the '90s, but he, you know, didn't get as he start until the 2000s. Mm, totally. Uh, but you know, he's, he's like a cover artist, come, 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 creator. Yeah. And uh, I, I kind of like that. That kind of shows through this. Like it is a little bit style over substance, mm. but knowingly so. I yeah, love that. Definitely. Um, cool. Yeah, Renato one percent. Another great image book you should be reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Walking Dead, one hundred fifty six. Amazing. Can't um, believe it's still going. I can't, I can't believe it's still fucking great too. Yeah. Like really, really great. This may have been that you could. This is one of my favorite issues of the series ever. Yeah. Like, it's so crazy how it continues to be like unbelievably successful, an amazing seller, and still like really 
compelling and like there's always lots of news about it and there's always yeah, people you, still you talking didn't re- about it. Did I've never this? read right, any right. of The Walking you Dead. Never, right, okay. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you just know it's amazing. Yeah. Um, so uh, this um, was basically like the two biggest threats in, in The Walking Dead world that are not zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's a, it's an episode, it's an issue just about the two of them really. Oh, cool. And uh, usually The Walking Dead balances like four plots at once, if, minimum. Mm-hmm. This one just balanced one. And it, in doing that, in doing this more kind of, uh, you know, smaller focused issue, um, it, it, it feels a lot more personal and, and you know, he, it's it's about Negan basically who's mm. like, you know, like you can tell that Robert Kirkman likes writing no other character more than he writes, likes writing Ryan Negan who is like, you know, the, the big bad um, mm. from, from issue 100 to... 140 or so and kind of is the reason for the big status quo the big jump forward in time that happened a few issues a few you know 20 issues ago mm-hmm. or so um, and he meets the head of the Whisperers um, and this is him trying to fit in with the Whisperers and it has the most out of nowhere twist you know like Walking Dead is no better no book is better than a last page or last you know mm. few pages twist than Walking Dead um, and this was just incredible you learn more about you, you learn more about the motives of this very unpredictable character Negan than we ever have before, mm-hmm. um, and I just it's again I'm just like fuck I wish the new the next issue was in my hands like mm. in a, in a week where we, we where we had forty issues I would have happily read ten more issues of Walking Dead as well yeah that's crazy yeah Walking Dead I, I, how it's you know still hitting its peak now mm. 156 issues in is, is baffling to me and Kirkman deserves a medal yeah he really does also the, the sh- I will say again I always say it but the showrunners I don't know how you turn such an incredibly riveting and fantastic I mean this is there's little action on, on throughout most of this until the end mm. and I don't understand how how this can be so exciting to read even in the non-action parts but the show be so boring to watch. Mm. That's just my opinion, though, guys. Just your opinion. Um, did you read the fix number four? Yes, I did. Um, I no, thought I this for me. Was this? Oh, really? Yeah. I was going to say this was a big improvement on the last. Oh, really? Week. I think I this was probably my maybe my least favorite issue. Right. This is a Nick, Nick Spencer and Steve Lever series about a bunch of crooks who are also a bunch of cunts, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, they stopped. They didn't really focus on the main character that we've been. Focusing on the like the first three issues, they focus Roy. on his partner, um, and uh, I, I I enjoyed this a lot. I, so what 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 stopped you from enjoying it? Uh, it's still a very duty comic kind of. Get, yeah, I, get I think maybe that's it. I think I'm just it's not it's not gone anywhere that I find interesting. Right, and it's just such a duty comic, and yeah, I mean a, a beagle yeah. bites someone on the on the nuts. I did kind of like that though. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. Uh, yeah, um, look, I, I still the, the the bigger plot of this is yet to kind of show its head, and mm. I'm wondering if it ever will. Like, you know, if it will just, just kind of like you know, paste from one issue to one issue with like small remnants of the ones before it kind of appearing throughout it. But I don't know. I I, I thought this is pretty enjoyable, and and the jokes were a lot less mean spirited yeah. than they've been in previous issues, and and I, I was happy to see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is going to be one that I will continue reporting on for for you serious I'm probably, issues. I'm probably going to leave it. I'm going to be out. Hey, when you read forty comics a week, you can drop a few. Absolutely. Um, I read uh, two more um, comics. Um, mm-hmm. One which you should be reading, and one which you should be very glad that you tapped out after issue one. Let's start with that. Midnight of the Soul number two by Howard Shaken oh, is a fucking mess, <laughs> and uh, I think he should not be allowed to. Use certain words repeatedly oh, in this book. What and did he use? Uh, just all of them. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I get that he's, you know, hearkening back to a time where it, you know, was more okay to be the fucking worst. Yeah. You know, this is this is set in a, in another time and in, in in the past, just post World War Two. Um, but I I don't know. I I just don't think there's you can excuse some of the language he uses in this, and mm. I and and I. I just didn't enjoy reading it because of that. Yeah, yeah. I I found that in the first issue, it was quite sort of jarring sometimes just how sort of offensive it was. And it's like a lot of time I hear watching an old movie and they say something and you're like, whoa, that's crazy. I can't believe you would be able to say that. And it's a bit like that, but without being good enough to excuse it. Like there's no reason for him to be doing that because it's not, it doesn't, like what is it, what is it bringing to anything? And you can be like, you know, three you know, three notches less offensive and mm. it will still be despicable. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, it was just, I don't know, like the, the it's a very hateful book. Yeah. And, you know, and, and for a book, for a week where I read, you know, a willingly with a massive smile on my face, read a comic in which a little devil mm. like j- jumps up, up, like first is b- b- birthed out of a horse that comes out of another senator and oh, then yes. jumps up Donald Trump's butt. Mm. Like I've laughed my head off during that. Mm. Whereas this, I was just like, no, 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 no. So I'm out. Nice. Bye-bye, Howard Chicken. Sorry. See you later, Howard Chicken. Collaborate with Matt Fraction again, please. <laughs> um, finally, uh, Black Science, number 22, uh, by Rick Remender, with art by the fantastic Matteo Scalera. Um, this series has gone from strength to strength, and it's just funny that, you know, Deadly Class, one of Rick Remender's other books that he started around the same time as this, is, like, one of my least favorite books that I'm reading at the moment. Mm. This has gone from, like, like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll read Black Science again, to, like, this is just... They, they really just did... Basically, like uh, the, the the main the main character in this book, um, you know, it's 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 a it's a universe jumping um, kind of book where every every issue they're in a new world and the team's been split up and the head of that team is now trying to right his wrongs. But before he does that, he has to find all of his these you know all of his team who have all like gone to different realities, and he has to cool. basically Get the convince them to together. come back. Yeah, exactly. But nice. uh, he's learnt that in his in his absence. Um, he's going to get his daughter first and that she has thrived without him. Hmm. And the second he shows up, he fucks everything up. Nice. Um, and we've seen this book do a lot of stuff. You've seen it do like, you know, dark tragedy, um, you know, crazy science fiction. But in this book, in this issue, they do straight up comedy. Oh, nice. And there's like, you know, like, you know, some, him accidentally drinking a wine, an alien wine that makes him shit faced <laughs> and have to explain his actions while extremely drunk and, you know, and then he ends up spilling wine down the breasts of this, you know, alien, and then he tries to clean it up, and it's all inappropriate, and everyone's shocked and appalled. And I've never seen Remender do something just outright comedy like that. Yeah, nice. He's and, a funny uh, guy. Yeah, absolutely funny, super funny guy. Um, yeah, uh, cool. So, nice. Well, one that I read, um, another Remender image title. Um, I read issue eight of Tokyo Ghost. Mm-hmm. Still good fun. Um, so, well, I know no one else seems to think it's good fun except me. But um, so this issue had, um, it's a really, really sort of tragic ending. And the series, like, the, it seems like the series really is all about like the relationship between the two main characters, the sort of Teddy and I forget who, um, what the girl is called. But you know, it ends in a really tragic throat slashing and now the girl is out on her own trying to get revenge against the sort of clockwork orange style bad guy and i'm i'm into it if that's going to be if it's just going to turn into a revenge fantasy for the last couple of issues um i'm very down awesome cool image is done done uh let's we've got a home straight we've got a few more indies yeah i mean um uh did you what else did you read uh i've got kaiju max oh yeah season two number number three 
Um, I'm gonna keep, I can just do 10 seconds on all these. Yeah. Uh, Kajimax is a really, really fun series about Godzilla monsters and uh, them trying to live in a jail and then trying to, trying to like insert themselves into society. But mm-hmm. it's really, really hard for them and a lot of parallels to minorities trying mm-hmm. to fit into a horrible white world. And uh, this is a really enjoyable book with beautiful art and um, a lot of... Um, a lot of drama, but there's a sweetheart at the, mm. uh, at, the at the core of this issue. Nice. Um, Empress number four. Oh, I did read that. Um, like again, with we, every issue, we're like, oh, this is still not what I want it to be. Yeah, it's um, just nothing. Mark happened. Miller and Stuart Immonen. Well, nothing happens, but also shitloads of things happen. Yeah. But you don't really care about any of them. Yeah. Um, I thought this art, this this was like basically allowed Immonen to show off the most he has so far. Mm. Um, lots of world jumping and crazy stuff happening in this, but again, it, you know, it, it's, it, just, it's somewhat moved it on. But I, I kind of, yeah, it's the whole thing's so shambolic. I barely know what's yeah. going on. And the bit where she loses all of her children and then goes like puts her head in her hands and goes like, "Oh, this is the worst thing I've ever done." That seemed like a really minor response to losing your three children. Yeah, you know, like it's just I don't understand this book. I don't understand the characters at all or what it's trying to do. I'm going to keep reading it, though. I'm not. <laughs> Boo. Um, Andy Diggle and Angela Cruikshank's uh, number two of Control um, out through Dynamite, a, uh, a cop drama. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this. Yeah. I-, I definitely think it is written for a trade more than it is issue to issue. Agreed. Because uh, I was really, really wishing that there was a recap page when I was because, you know. Same. I've read, I've read about 200 comics since this <laughs> first issue came out. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's still an enjoyable little caper through, mm-hmm. you know, like someone, a low, low tier officer on the force trying to prove herself in this case, um, of her, of her dead partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we, we see her come face to face with the, with the, the murderer of her partner at the end of this issue. And maybe he's going to kill her too, but probably, probably. <laughs> that's how comics usually work. Um, yeah, I'm still going to read that though. Pretty good fun. Yeah. Um, I also read the second issue of Strange Attractors by Charles Sewell and Greg Scott, which is um, a reprint of a graphic novel that he did a couple of years ago. I think that you can definitely tell in this that this is like um, not yet the most mature version of Charles Sewell. It's just a little bit confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the m- most well-written thing that he's ever done, but it is pretty compelling. And the whole idea that you can, um, you know, New York is this kind of living entity and you have to balance all of these certain elements to make sure it keeps running correctly. But is the person who's doing that the right person to be making those choices? And what is he doing to the city overall? Um, and yeah, it's pretty good. I'm awesome. still, still going to read it. Fantastic. Enjoyable. I also read, um, which I always read, Weird Love, which is just reprints of weird old romance comics. I just am so obsessed with them, I, uh, there's just nothing better. I think my favorite, my favorite um, story in this was about a girl who is too beautiful that no one will ever truly love her because men just want men just only want one thing from someone <laughs> that beautiful. And then she meets a man who's as handsome as she is, and they obviously fall in love. But then she is horribly disfigured, um, but the he loves her anyway, all. and it's amazing. <laughs> so if you love weird old timey romance where people fall in love and learn things. It's the best. Can't go, can't go wrong with weird love. Uh, did you read Cinema Purgatorio number three as well? I did, and I think that we have to be in agreement that the best part of this um, whole anthology series is the um, Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill bits at the beginning, which sort of um, bookend the the anthology um, set in a weird theatre, and it's just very um, disconcerting. And Kevin O'Neill is so great. Yeah, and, um, and, and I think that they, they're, they're the strongest part of this comic because they're one and done. Yeah, um, 
most of the time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Whereas all the others are like these weird ongoing serials that you only get eight eight pages of each each month, and yeah. it's not enough to kind of set up this world as something I care about. Yeah, agreed. Um, so I wish they'd just sort of do more of that and collect that. This um this issue was a really fun little story about like a uh, like pulp hero kind of character who seems to be able to rewrite history. So every time things don't seem to be going his way, he just rewrites history. Pretty Classic. good. Cool. All right. We've got one thing left to do, and that is review 10 <laughs> Marvel books. Oh, my God. <laughs> so let's bring back this timer. Um, should we start with two minutes about issue three of The Punisher? Yeah. Uh, this was the issue in which everything clicked, and I realized that Becky Cloonan is doing a great job on this book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it gets pretty dark, mm-hmm. but uh, it's not going to get too morose. Um, and uh, you you see a hum- the first human moment from 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 Frank Castle so far this run, um, and Steve Dillon's art is really really great, really good. I mean, for, like I think one of the criticisms of Steve Dillon that people have a lot of the time is that a lot of his characters look the same. But I think there's a really great variety of face in here. Like I mean, it's always going to look like a Steve Dillon drawing, but there's some great um, character work. Really cool expressions, um, yeah, amazing. I would, I would love it, and I feel like this is probably not going to happen. But how I would love it if this little girl ends up being his sidekick. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? I love the like, yeah, sort of Wolverine and Jubilee kind of relationship. Um, I don't think it'll happen, but that would be that would be the Punisher comic that I would write. Yeah, which uh, is why no one will ever pay me to write Punisher. Maybe, maybe they will. Maybe they will. Mm, mm. Lil Punisher. Lil Punisher. Um, cool. I think that's all it is to say. Yeah, this read good, it. Good, good comic. Good, good run. Uh, I know we said that uh, N- Nighthawk might be the, the Punisher comic that we're enjoying more, but uh, no, I think this is, this is a good Punisher comic. Yeah, sure. Nighthawk is Nighthawk. Uh, Moon Knight number four by Jeff mm-hmm. Lemire with Greg Smallwood and Jody Belair. Um, I think this is one that will be more rewarding to read in trade because it is such a like insular. Um, specific weird story yeah. and fuck I like the art so much they, 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 they got out of the asylum in issue mm-hmm. 3 and now they're on the streets of seemingly New York in this mm-hmm. one uh, you kind of don't really know what's going on and I know that it's going to be really great when it's revealed in issue 5 mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I thought this was this is definitely a better issue than issue 3 we thought it was starting to lose its way but I think it's you know back on course in this issue um, and, and the uh, last it did have another last page reveal which was pretty good fun um, oh yeah of course yeah um Mark Spector comes face to face with Moon Knight. So, Moon Knight, what? Moon Knight versus Moon Knight. What's going to happen, y'all? It's crazy. Uh, art I like continues to be beautiful. Knight. Yeah, um, I love this. You know, it'll, it'll it'll occasionally be like quite straightforward cartooning, and then we'll be like beautiful, kind of sketchy. I've just said like you know nineties Vertigo esque art. And really good use of like negative space in um, some of the big double page spreads and things yeah, well, like that. I especially think, especially and, and, and that belongs in this comic because um, Moon Knight's costume is negative mm. space essentially. Yeah, yeah, really excellent, really great, mm. great use of the color white. <laughs> um, you could not say the same thing about this one. <laughs> uh, Captain Sam Wilson, Captain America number eleven, featuring the Black Captain America. Um, we criticized Nick Spencer when in our review of issue number ten mm-hmm. for maybe being not the right voice for this comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I take it back. He he he. This is a great issue. Yeah, and um, holy moly! But I mean, um, Daniel Acuna's yeah. art is just so phenomenal. We know he's the best. He's the best. Um, but uh, I thought this was not only a great, um, you know, look into uh, not look look into Sam Wilson's stance on everything going on in, 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 in the, the real world, but mm-hmm. also it kind of made me interested in 
uh, Captain Marvel versus Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. Far, this far is more the invested first... in this than I am in the actual Civil War story. Yeah, like, I mean, this is a great issue to read if you want to get a proper encapsulation of the two sides of this Civil War. Absolutely. Because Sam goes and talks to each, um, goes and talks to Captain Marvel and then goes and talks to Iron Man and gets, like, their perspective and decides for himself and all that kind of stuff. And I think they did a really good job of that. Yeah. So, um, I think, uh, like, Marvel's timing with all these issues is going to get pretty confusing. Yeah. Because uh, all of the tie-in comics are at different time points than the actual Civil War Two event is. Mm. But um, I think even if you weren't reading Civil War Two, you'd probably enjoy this. Yeah, and they bring back some cool... Um Cool characters, Rage, this character. Yep, and US Agent. US Agent. Um, so lots... And I, I like the Americops. Like, I know it's not the most subtle fascist oh, it, symbol it's, ever, but it, it's pretty cool and, like, it's um, it's a well, compelling villain. You're not meant to like them. No, you like, no. like them as a villain. <laughs> and it's pretty timely given the yeah. current state of uh, affairs in, uh, in in the States at the moment. So, Absolutely. Um, and Nick Spencer has been uh, a pretty good person to follow online. Mm. Um on Twitter, um, you know, and his his thoughts on, on what's going on over there um, regarding Black Lives Matter and mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And I, I think, you know, he, he is a good voice to have. Um, I would like to see him introduce more black writers. I mean, a lot, that yeah. was the, the big controversy um, this, yeah. this week was that um, Brett Bendis announced that, that, that Tony Stark would be taken over, uh, Iron Man would be taken over by one of the um, young female black characters that he's been writing in that mm-hmm. book. Um, and I, you know, while everyone is like, oh, it's great that there's more yeah. coverage of, of, you know, different races and backgrounds and, mm. and, and sexes in, in superheroes now, it would be, you know, Marvel's never employed a black female yeah. writer before. And I think, you know, rather than saying a lot of the kind of stances were like, you know, well, I, you know, I can't help it. I'm, I'm writing these characters, blah, blah, blah. Mm. The stance would be to take, okay, you know, we will try and hire have yeah. a co-writer in the future on something different or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. They're both, you know, a, a wider range of characters and a wider range of char- creators are two very important issues. Absolutely. Agreed. Um, Spider-Woman number nine by Dennis Hopeless and um, Javier Rodriguez. Um, this, again, tied t- into Civil War number two. Um, very vaguely in that um, Spider-Woman is Captain Marvel's friend. Hmm. And um, Captain Marvel wanted to try and convince Spider-Woman that... She should be on her side. Um, and uh, she's just trying to get her attention the entire time. Her and Porcupine uh, somewhere upstate. And um, there's a Wendigo outbreak. They're fighting a bunch of Wendigos. Um, and it's, it's a, just a really fun and beautifully drawn. Just so beautifully drawn. Um, and a really fun like little one issue. Like This is pretty much totally self-contained um, within the Spider-Woman story. Yeah. So you can pretty much just pick this up and... Um, Check it out, and it's it's really good. And I love her snow uniform. Yes, I love it when they have so like a she. special <laughs> special snow outfit. Um, yeah, this is a great great issue from a great run from great creators. Yeah, it just continues to be really excellent. Yeah, and, and like you know, there was a time where I was like, oh, dreading the Civil War two logo mm. on, on on the comics that I was reading. There, hoping that they weren't going to tie in, but I'm fine with this tying in. If, if this is going to be basically sure. Jessica Drew is going to be. <clears throat> um, She's, she, Captain Marvel has enlisted her to kind of uh, look at specific examples to try and figure out how Ulysses can predict mm. uh, events in the future and, mm. and see if they're credible or not. Yeah, pretty great. Yeah, really great. Really good fun. It's always nice to see like a like a mature female character. You Definitely. Know? Um, vote Loki number two. Um, With the best cover of the week. Yeah, which is um, uh, Trad Moore paying homage to an old Jack Kirby cover. Mm-hmm. Um 
this is a, a funny political satire comic um, about Loki running for president. Um, and this a lot less happened in this than issue one. Um, but you know, I enjoyed it. Um, it's it's a lot as much to do with like press as yeah. it is about um, uh, you know politics in the White House and and the sort of government. election process and how weird it is in the states. Yeah, um, I think this will be uh, like this is this is a fun one to read. Um, hmm. You know, month to month, but also will be a good one to kind of as a fun little comedy trade. Certainly a fun little remnant of 2016. Yeah, totally. Um, before we obliterate the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, best, the best page of this, though, even better than this month's cover, is next month's cover. I know. Featuring Loki kissing a baby in uh, <sighs> surrounded by roaring fans. I wish, I wish, I want Treadmore to just do a book about babies. Look at how good all the <laughs> little fat babies are. Yeah. Treadmore is such a good artist. He's just so good. He's the best. He, he's top 10 for me, I think. Even though I've read, like, you know. 23 comics he's drawn. That's yeah. quite a lot. That's I enough. Know. That's plenty. Yeah. Um, Silver Surfer number five. No, um, another comic that uh, made the controversy wave this week because um, it features uh, Silver Surfer and uh, Dawn Greenwood going to see a stage show of what looks to be Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Except, which um, of course famously features an all black cast, mm. um, except uh, they have been. All actors are white. Yes, which is troubling right. as yeah. hell. But apparently, Dan Slott took Twitter this week and said it was because they didn't have the rights to Hamilton, uh, and they had, and it was too late. They'd already been drawn and submitted, right, okay. and so in a last minute thing, they they thought the only way they could make it not Hamilton <laughs> is make the characters not black, which is unfortunate. That's very, that's and very complicated. Dan Slott made an appeal to the creators over Twitter, saying, "Can you please, you know, yeah. let, us, let us keep them black in the trade?" Yeah, <laughs> fingers um, crossed that happens. Yeah, and no, no, fingers crossed that's the truth as well. I'm, yeah. I'm sure it is. My, the, the, you know, Dan Slott seems like a nice guy, and Allred as well. Yeah, um, this 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 is a, a really really interesting and cool take on Silver Surfer. He's basically um, after he, like uh, the kind of queen of the, the planet that Silver Surfer is originally from, uh, you know, basically came to attack Earth and, and Silver Surfer in previous issues. Um, uh, Silver Surfer, basically, like, in fighting them, she eliminated all remnants of his country, or of his world, sorry, of his world, um, all their culture, all mention of their name and, and people except Silver Surfer. Which, which seems great because it's no longer a threat to Earth trying to take away their culture mm. in an attempt to make it more like his hometown where there are no... his home, home world. Uh, but it now means that they're all references to them in, in previous Silver Surfer comics, which exist in the Marvel Universe, um, doesn't exist anymore, and um, which means so much of his backstory doesn't exist anymore. And so he goes to where Uatu once uh, lived on the, on the moon mm-hmm. and finds someone who I think is Nick Fury. Is Nick Fury now the Watcher? Like the he was. Yeah, I thought yeah. he died. No, 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 no. So uh, after Original Sin, yeah. is he now made to be the Watcher in death? I don't know. I think that's what's happening here. I think mm. that, I think it's, it's like a one-eyed... I guess. Yeah, I guess, that, I guess that's Nick Fury. Mm. Um, pretty cool. Anyway, good, good little romp and, of course, beautifully drawn by Mike Allred. Mm. Uh, X-Men 2, Civil War 2. Who gives a shit? That's yeah. my review. <laughs> that's, Do you want to add any more? Um... No, I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of just like the exact same as last issue, just slightly develop more. It's just still Storm thinks that Ulysses is good and Magneto disagrees. And so they fight about that. And whoa, Nightcrawler's siding with Magneto. That's crazy. That's about it. Uh, did you read any other Marvel comics that weren't Star Wars? I read the totally awesome Hulk issue eight, which is a Civil War tie-in and which is 
um, quite good fun sort of dealing. I, I really like the last issue where they're sort of dealing with um, how Bruce Banner is now that he's not the Hulk and all the different experiences that he has. So in this issue, he has the flu really badly, which normally would make him Hulk out, but now he's fine and he's just really sick. Um, but it's sort of dealing with the fact that Amadeus Cho has started blacking out as the Hulk and not remembering what he's done when he wakes up. Oh, shit. Which is a concern. Um, but they, they make the point of that, um, you know, the Hulk is the Hulk is an expression of yourself. So each person's Hulk is different. And Bruce Banner is like, I'm like at my core, I'm a monster, and that's why my Hulk is so terrible. But you're a nice guy, Amadeus Cho. So your Hulk is nicer. So I think you'll be fine. Right. So that will obviously not turn out to be true. And I look forward <laughs> to that Hulk rampaging. No, because it's probably going to happen in Civil War too, right? That's what we. Yeah, so yeah, I'm... yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, I also read the second issue of uh, Deadpool Gambit. Did I? Yes, I did. <laughs> good I, read, I read so much this week. This was pretty funny. This was pretty good fun. They're sort of... Um, I'll be hard-pressed to actually remember what happened in cool. it. But Great review. Good. Good. <laughs> read it. Fine. Excellent. Uh, Han Solo number two by Marjorie Liu and uh, some Mark Brooks. Mark Brooks on art. Um, uh, Chewie and Han Solo are in a space race mm-hmm. and um, it kind of has half this issue is them in the space race trying to not die mm-hmm. and then they uh, land on a planet after a spoiler alert not dying in nice. a space race and because um, Han Solo will never die he will never die uh, <laughs> lives on um, in our hearts forever uh, yeah um, then it has the, him on a, on a planet and um, I don't know the stormtroopers come to get him I like it I still yeah. like it I yeah. still think uh, this is I, a great series i don't yeah i mean like, i don't i don't know if it's an entirely necessary story but there are some good good han, han moments in here but um, i like it so i sort of like that it's um like it's still sort of he's doing a thing for the rebellion but it's such a like it's not really anything that touches on the rest of the star wars universe it's yeah it's totally. like a big race yeah um and that was pretty good fun um again a big um a big uh, last page um, reveal of a, of a character from mm-hmm. Star Wars that I probably should know because he seems pretty important. Yeah, some bad some, guy. Some, uh, whatever. I don't know who that was either. <laughs> Poe Dameron, number four. Yeah. Last, last comic and last Star Wars comic we're going to talk about today. Um, I hated issue three of this, but I really loved issue four of this. That's a good issue, By huh? Charles Sewell and Phil Noto in that you kind of doesn't if you haven't read issue one to three, and I, I wouldn't really recommend you do, mm. you can just pick this up and it's just like a pretty great Great yeah, this is basically a new arc. In yeah, I'm into it. I like a I like a three issue arc. That's cool. Is this going to be ongoing, or is this? A, I thought this is going to be another five five issue miniseries, like the rest of these um, non main Star Wars or Darth Vader titles have been. Um, I actually don't know. I should check. Mm. Uh, yeah, this is a this is really fun. It's basically um, uh, yet another story of uh, of Star Wars characters. Um, going on a, a prison planet. Mm-hmm. It's happened in I think every Star Wars comic so far, um, but. Poe goes on this one, this this uh, one. It's basically just run. Uh, all the prisoners go on this planet where the gravity is um, to will, will crush you if you leave this force field. So all the all the prisoners are just in this like weird like kind of force field, fending for themselves, and they've started their own society there. And no one else that isn't a prisoner goes up, goes on onto this planet. But Poe has has been arranged to go on this to get some questions out of uh, like what's his name, like Gracor the Hut. Gracchus. Gracchus the Hut, and uh, is immediately betrayed as soon as he gets to the planet. Um, uh, and it's it's fun. Yeah, Gracchus, fun. Gracchus the Hut was introduced in Jason Aaron's Star Wars comic run, so it's cool to see different ideas that are being introduced mm. in the comics come into the other comics. And Phil Noto, 
<coughs> yes, what well, a no, guy. Great artist. Great artist. Really great. Does a great pose. Cool. Great week, guys. Oh, uh, my God. Hey, comics industry, release less comics next week, <laughs> um, which they kind of are. I think yeah. It's, it's slightly smaller week next week. Um, if you uh, want to know what we think you should pick up. Um, there's a few cool new number ones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we've got the first issue of New Superman, which is the Asian Asian Superman written by Gene Luen Yang. Yeah, it's Chi- Chinese Superman. Yeah. Finally got to have a Superman of China, which is, it looks really, really great. The artwork looks spectacular, and uh, I feel like it's going to be quite joyous, which mm. is uh, exciting for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, issue two of Wonder Woman, which is the first issue that Nicholas Scott is drawing. Yep. I did see like- a preview of that, and it's Absolutely amazing. Yeah, Such the, a good issue. It's like Wonder Woman year one. Yeah. Which is very, very exciting. Um, we also get uh, on the DC world, uh, Nightwing Rebirth number one. Woo! Good to see some butts. Yeah. Um, also issue four of Gold Events, mm-hmm. which is very exciting. And another issue of Sabrina, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which feels crazy. That's so soon. Yeah. But after we didn't get one for like a year. We yeah. We got one after a month. Very cool. Um, we also get a uh, second issue of uh, one of our big surprise comics from last month, which is the manga um, Sherlock series through Titan. I recommend everyone pick that up. Absolutely. Really, really sweet. There's also a few cool <laughs> trades coming out next week. Um, they're, uh, DC have been doing some awesome reprints of stuff that I really love. So they're, um, they're reprinting the some of their Elseworlds stuff. So this is the Elseworlds Justice League Volume 1. So it's going to collect a whole bunch of really cool um, alternate universe stories. The first trade of Monstrous, um, which is very, very, very good um, Marjorie Lou written uh, fantasy series. Mm-hmm. If you like fantasy comics, I really highly recommend checking out the first trade of that. Um, and as I said before, the first trade of Sheriff of Babylon as well. So some really cool, cool trades. Easy. Well, well thanks, guys. Thank you so much for <laughs> listening to uh, us uh, talk at length about the comics that we loved and hated this week. You can do so every week by subscribing to us on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a lovely review. Five stars, if possible. I mean, uh, if you, I don't, if I don't you know feel how, many, like how many stars you've got to work with to begin with. I assume it's five. Uh, it is five. Leave us five, please. Five. Please. Uh, and if you want to find us online, ask us a question. Um, when there are less comics each week, we will answer mm. those questions. Uh, Facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Or you can send us an email to Serious Issues at kingscomics.com. Uh, Siobhan can be found online on Instagram at SiobhanCBG. That's me. And uh, I'm at LevDog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, etc. I've got a couple other podcasts that you should, you should listen to, a pop mm-hmm. culture one uh, called Hey Fam, in which we are doing a commentary of Batman v Superman, the ultimate edition. Woo! So you don't have to watch it ever, which you should <laughs> never do. Uh, and I have a food podcast as well called The Mitchin. You can check those out in your own time if you like. Uh, Siobhan also runs a ladies comic book group. Yeah. Woo, ladies. If you feel like coming um, and meeting a bunch of other cool geeky ladies and talking about Ms. Marvel, our next meetup is Sunday the 24th of July, um, 5.30 till 7.30 p.m. at King's Comics, 310 Pitt Street in Sydney. Um, You can find us at Queens of Kings on Facebook. Um, Find all the details there. We'd love to see you. It should be really good fun. Yeah, and there are always cool snacks as well. Yeah, always um, cool snacks. I'll probably bake something. Wow. Yeah. That's incentive. She's I'm very committed. For me. And we're like, what, 16 episodes <laughs> yeah, deep? I know, right that's now? pretty I, mean. In, in her defense, I've never baked anything forever. And yeah, actually, good point. <laughs> uh, actually, no, you came to my restaurant. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, guess can... I was just thinking about how much more I've eaten than <laughs> I have provided. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. We will see you next week with hopefully less comics and hopefully no timer. Hey. Maybe if you, li- if you like the timer, yeah, if you like the time <laughs> reviews, let us know. <laughs> yep. Because uh, it was frantic but fun. See you later. Bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.